Hey everyone, you are listening to Strictly Stocks, a podcast by The Market Minute. I'm your host, Logan Calhoun, and I'm super excited for today's episode. Um, Let me start off with a couple of questions. First off, did you know that global electricity demand is projected to triple by 2050? Further, did you know that U.S. power outages have substantially increased over the last decade? Today, we'll be talking about those troubling developments and the various companies that are looking to try and solve the issues with those developments. We believe that Generac, trading under the ticker GNRC, presents an attractive investment at current prices within this space. Um, But before we get into our thesis, here's a really quick message from our sponsor. Over the past year, Generac has fallen roughly 80% from its all-time high of $524 a share. Uh, Back in October of 2021, Generac went from being grossly overvalued to now trading at its lowest valuation since its IPO in 2010. Um, And this is due to several different reasons, um, including just an overall market downtrend, including inflationary pressures on their margins, recessionary fears, um, and then those reasons have created poor third quarter earnings. Um, This low price offers an opportunity for value investors as the market is overlooking long-term growth opportunities as well as their history of above average returns on invested capital. Additionally, when looking at comps, Generac looks highly ignored and underappreciated in comparison to SolarEdge and Enphase Energy. Now, let's get into it, starting with a quick overview of just who Generac is as a company. Generac was founded back in 1959, um, and Generac is an energy solutions provider of backup and prime power generation systems for residential and commercial and industrial use. So they create generators and other uh, energy solutions for both homeowners as well as industry um, use cases. Generac also offers solar plus battery storage solutions, power grid software, energy management devices, and power tools and equipment. Generac does not sell directly to customers, but has what they call the Generac Dealer Network and Clean Energy Installers, who uh, go and sell their products and install them for final consumers. This includes independent residential dealers, national retailers, e-commerce partners, solar installers, and wholesalers. Um, Looking at their revenue and where it comes from, 85% comes from the United States, while 15% is from international sources. Um, 66% of the revenues come from their residential product lines, 27% from commercial and industrial, and then 7% comes from other, and these are mainly like services that don't really fit into other, either category. Now looking at the market, Generac is operating in what's called the decentralized energy resources market. And essentially what this is, is it's sort of a shift away from purely relying on centralized power generation facilities. So like coal power, just power plants in general, you know, that are that are distributing power uh, all over the place. Um, and it's a shift to more of a fragmented power generation system. So this includes things like solar panels at your house, um, generators, whether it be diesel, natural gas or biogas, fuel cells, battery storage, uh, among other things. Um, and this market is currently benefiting from a lot of different tailwinds. Um, currently, they are valued at five, or not currently, they're projected to be valued at $580 billion by 2027, uh, growing at 11.5% compounded annual growth rate. That's a very large, very fast growing market. Um, and that's really due to several reasons. Um, and, and one of the big growth drivers is the increased power outage frequency. Um, over the last two decades, we've seen a sharp increase of, of power outages, whether it be to weather related reasons. Um, additionally, our aging utility infrastructure 
Um, so this is a quote from Public Utilities' Fortnightly magazine. Um, the quote goes, To say that the United States has an aging electric transmission infrastructure is a sizable understatement. The average age of the installed base is 40 years old, with more than a quarter of the grid 50 years or older. Um, so that right there really highlights one of the issues that we just have an aging infrastructure system that requires really high uh, influxes of capital to really reinvest in. And it's something we haven't done yet. Um, additionally, the mass electrification of really everything around the wor world, you can just talk about electric vehicles, but really that push towards renewable energy, um, that in itself is a tailwind for the industry. But just the mass electrification has led to a strain on our grid. Um, global electricity consumption is expected to more than triple by 2050. Um, so those are really some of the big growth drivers for the distributed energy, decentralized energy resources market or distributed energy resources market. Um, really what you need to know is that it's just a very fast growing market, you know, due to power outages and just this push towards renewable energy. These tailwinds allowed Generac to grow revenues by over 50% last year um, and a five-year compounded annual growth rate of 24%. Um, so these tailwinds have really allowed Generac to um, grow rapidly um, within their residential and commercial segments. Uh, before I get into a product comparison of Enphase, Solar Edge, and Generac and talk about some of that, I sort of just want to emphasize the fact that you know, regardless of the push to renewable resources, to micro-inverters, to battery storage, um, Generac has long been a, a quality brand within the generator space, um, and that has allowed them to uh, have a high return, above average return on invested capital um, over the years. Um, since their IPO back in 2010, 2010 they've maintained a return on invested capital of 11%. Um, and that's really good. what's going to you know drive returns for company is that high high ROIC. Um, and Genrock has been able to to achieve that through their strong brand name um, and quality within the generator space. So as I start talking about you know comparisons within renewable energy and microinverters, I just want you to keep in mind that Genrock always has that strong core business um, to lean back on. So the main companies I'm going to be talking about within the microinverter and distributed energy resources space are Enphase, Solar Energy, and Generac. Um, so I really just want to go about talking about the comparisons of all of them, and first starting off with with Generac um, and their their recent acquisition spree. So Generac, you know, they've not they haven't always operated in this space. Um, they are still mainly a generator company, but over the last several years, they went on a rampage of acquisitions. Um, acquiring 14 different companies within microinverters, um, smart home equipment, battery storage, um, and, and different industries like that. And they've really created a suite of products um, that have allowed them to compete in this space. Um, right now, if you look at Enphase, they, they, they talk about their competitive advantage within the microinverter um, space, and, and they do. They are definitely the most respected within the space. However, the difference is probably not as big as you think between a company like Enphase Energy and Generac. Um, one of the things that Enphase says is that they are the only company that uses a microinverter rather than a traditional string inverter. Um, however, that is not the case. Um, both Solar Edge, Generac, and Enphase all use microinverters. And when you look at an overall product comparison between the businesses, 
they're fairly similar. They all have microinverters. They all have their battery storage solution. Um, and, you know, they all have uh, smart home. They all have backup power. Um, but Generac is actually the only one that builds generators. So some key takeaways that I saw when comparing their products. Um, A, all of the companies have microinverters for solar generation. Um, two, all of the companies allow energy to be pumped back into the electrical grid for profit. So no, no differentiation there either. Um, Generac does not offer electric vehicle chargers. The other two do. Um, that's really just sort of a small product offering thing. Um, and Generac is the only company that has its own generator offering, which um, while Solar Edge and Enphase simply integrate with, with other generators. Um, so not really a whole lot of difference between the companies in, in terms of product. The biggest thing that's going for, for Enphase is they just have um, – they, they they were the first mover and they really have the reputation in the space right now as being um the number one player um so that, that's where generac has a little bit of a disadvantage however given that they are all sort of similar you would expect them to have a roughly um similar valuation however that is that is definitely not the case um and i want to sort of go into valuation here starting with some comps so taking a look at comps, Generac is currently trading at one eleventh of of Enphase's uh, valuation and a quarter of Solar Edge's. Um, so for our comp group, we use Cummins, Amatech, Regal, Rexnord, Enersys, Enphase, and Solar Edge. Um, and currently, Generac is trading at a nine point two uh, EV to EBITDA, and we found that the comp group was trading at a median value of fifteen X. Um, so that, that resembles a 63% upside to the median. Um, and obviously, while Enphase may have a bit of an advantage within the space, um, it doesn't appear to warrant an 11x valuation. Um, so that's sort of both a comment on Generac being undervalued and Enphase's overvaluation. Uh, moving on, I also wanted to look at Generac's uh, current valuation relative to their historic valuation. Um, we looked at uh, EV to EBITDA multiples, EV to revenue, and price to earnings. Um, and looking at those valuations, uh, Generac is trading at their lowest and essentially all of those um, and below their below their median. So they're currently trading at a 9.2 uh, enterprise value to EBITDA ratio, while the historical median is 12.7. Um, enterprise value to sales uh, currently of 1.8, while the historic median is 2.8. Um, and a current price to earnings of 14.3, while the historic median is 23. Um, and it's really interesting you see this because Generac has just recently gone through um, the acquisition of many of those renewable energy companies. So really right now, um, you know, if you can forget the short-term headwinds of recession and inflation, right now they have the strongest long-term um, tailwinds that they've ever had, yet they are currently trading at their lowest valuation. Um, so it looks like investors may be, may be suffering from some short-term um, short views here. Um, our last value, valuation method is we're going to be looking just at our discounted cash flow. Uh, we projected negative revenue growth in 2023 just to account for the recession, drop margins down a bit, uh, and we used an exit multiple of 12, which is a little bit, which is below the um, comps group of 15 just uh, to be conservative. Um, and we came up with an IRR of 17.8%. Um, so this means that through 2027, if you invest right now, um, we expect that you will receive an annual return of 17.8% over, over the next five years. 
Um, so that's definitely um, an out outperform rating um, due to the you know the the long term uh, tailwinds that Generac has coupled with with their really low valuation right now due to those sort of short term market sentiment issues. Now Generac looks cheap, but it is riddled with risks. So right now I'm going to give you sort of the bear case. Um, and there are a lot of different risks associated with starting with just the macroeconomic environment. Um, so we've already seen that take a huge toll on Generac's price, which is part of the thesis that it's gone too far. Um, we saw in their Q3 earnings that they had to reduce both revenue and earnings guidance. Um, and this is largely due to slowing demand as we enter a recessionary period. Um, and generators and other like decentralized energy resource products are proving to be discretionary. Um, we saw this back in 2008 for Generac. Um, in 2007, um, Generac saw sales growth of negative 18%, and it took them back until about 2010 to really start to see some sales growth again. Um, so we've seen in the past that on the housing crisis, so correlated to the housing market and just consumer spending in general, um, Generac is very correlated to that. So if we see a deep recession, that could definitely be very negative for, for Generac. Um, another risk is the substantial amount of acquisitions that Generac has made. Um, you know, they've, they've acquired roughly like 15 companies in the last um, six or seven years. And these are mainly small companies that they acquired just for the tech. Um, but if they, don't, if they don't experience those synergies that they, um, they're hoping for, uh, they could really waste money on those acquisitions if those acquisitions don't sort of come to fruition. Um, another one, the market is just really competitive. You have you have Enphase, who has a really strong position in the market. Um, and with, with relatively low R&D spend and most of their um, products coming from acquisitions, they could easily find themselves falling behind, being forced to make another acquisition. Um, so in terms of technology here, there's a lot of risk that they could they could fall behind. Now, the last big risk is actually going to be a pending lawsuit from Pink Energy. So they are one of the installers who has installed products for Generac. And Pink Energy is suing um, due to what they are claiming as issues with some of Generac's products, which have led to um, fires and other issues that Pink Energy has then had to gone and fix um, and has fallen into bankruptcy because of it. However, um, there's been conflicting news and Generac and other parties are saying that it's due to Pink Energy's poor installation practices. Um, and there have been other complaints, uh, service complaints from Pink Energy just regarding all sorts of products. Um, so right now there's sort of, you know, that risk that, um, you know, it could really be Generac's fault and they could have issued the products and they could have to pay for this lawsuit. And on the other hand, um, it could very likely just be Pink Energy's poor installation practices. But that's another thing that has caused the stock to go down. And another risk that um, is definitely there if, if you know, um, Pink Energy would win this lawsuit, not only would Generac have to pay and it would harm their balance sheet, but it would also be really bad news for, for their brand image, for their perceived quality from consumers. Um, so that's really the last big risk to look at. But essentially, um, our thesis is that the valuation is just really low right now. And given all of these risks, they're already priced in and more. Um, the, the downside is really minimal given the current valuation. And if we really are to see the bull case and they're really able to benefit from a lot of these tailwinds, the upside is, is a lot higher than the downside, um, creating an asymmetric uh, risk reward um, for investors.
couple last things I want to talk about before I wrap up this episode. Um, just yesterday, Wells Fargo released that they show, uh, held a similar thesis um, that they believe that the recent drop in Generac share price has led to a good buying opportunity for investors. Um, they have a current uh, target price of $175, while our target price is $157. Um, also, in Q3 so far, super investors have reported their holdings, and four super investors have started um, or increased their positions in Generac. Um, Aerial Appreciation Fund created a, a new um, holding in Generac. Aerial Focus Fund created a new holding. Mayors and Power Growth Fund added to their holding, and Olstein Capital Management added to their holdings in Generac. Um, and lastly, looking at just some other uh, target prices from, from institutional investors, the high is $388 per share, the low being $75. Um, that right there kind of highlights the asymmetric risk reward here that, you know, to the high could be as high as $388 and low $75. Um, and the median is $172, so right around uh, Wells Fargo's price and even above our, our estimate. Um, so really, there does appear to be some upside here, given given the long term growth uh, tailwinds and the recent, you know, just destruction of valuation and share price. At this point, that's basically going to sum up our analysis for this episode. I really hope you guys learned something new or at the bare minimum, found it interesting or entertaining. Um, if you did, make sure to leave us a five star review on whatever platform you're listening on. If you want to request a company for an episode or just want to contact us, you can reach us on Instagram at the underscore market underscore minute. Also, make sure to visit our website, www.themarketminute.co, to subscribe to our free newsletter and get notifications for our podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Logan Colon. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, happy investing.